welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. The shooting community is very, very diverse. You can meet people from all walks of life at a match. Go to a Nationals and you can darn near see a celebrity level people. Now my next guest isn't necessarily a celebrity, but is probably the closest thing to one in the shooting sports. I met, I'm using air quotes, her, uh, interrupted her is probably more accurate at Carry Optics Nationals when she and Matt Hopkins were walking stages the day before the match began. She's a small business owner, a Second Amendment advocate, a competitor, and a federal premium ambassador. Everyone, give a warm round of applause to Crystal Dunn. Hi, Crystal. Thanks so much for uh, having me on and introducing me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> if you would, just take a moment and introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Crystal Dunn, and um, I, yes, I am a small business owner. I have a brow and skincare spa or salon, so brows, lashes, skincare. I tattoo faces. That's one fun fact about me a lot of people don't know. Um, <laughs> so permanent makeup, though. And then, yeah, I'm federal premium ambassador, work with some different other companies, JP Rifles. Um, so I get to do a lot of fun things in the firearms industry, and then recently, um, I mean, I've always done some media, but segued into more media stuff, interviews on camera, things for events, that kind of deal. So just been having a good time. And I was very fortunate to run into you at Carry Optics Nationals, walking stages with my friend Matt. And uh, he actually, right after he walked away too, Matt was like, oh, he's such a nice guy. You should definitely, definitely chat with him on his, on his podcast. So. Okay. Yeah. Matt's been on a few times. I like Matt. He's a good guy. Yes. We, uh, he and I tried to have dinner after the membership meeting there at Carry Optics Nationals, but Talladega being what it is, I mean, you can't eat anything after 6 p.m. any day of the week, so it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it was really hard. Actually, I think that was the same night that uh, me and a couple of people ended up at a karaoke pool hall dive bar, and it was probably the most, we thought twice about going in there. I was like, do we really? Okay, sure. Let's go. Is it a constitutional carry state? Uh, and so, but we, it was probably the only thing to do in that whole town, but it was, it was a blast. And it'd be super, super fun. Drinks were like $2. It was great. <laughs> That's where you go. Uh, this could be a bad decision, but uh, let's do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, so Crystal, we usually ask our guests a few icebreaker questions. Sure. Um, so we're going to get, have you listened to any of the episodes? I actually, after you invited me on, I did start listening to, you had a junior shooter on. So I started listening to one of her episodes actually when okay. I was on play. So. Okay. So you might be familiar because it's the same initial questions we ask everybody. Okay. You can almost say it's a scientific study. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Oh God, my favorite movie. That's she a did hard. Not prepare. I know that one. I didn't know. Well, I wasn't prepared to uh, to answer that one. I have a lot of favorite movies. Um, I would say comedies, though, like probably Wedding Crashers and Forgetting Sarah Marshall are two of my favorites. Those are they're okay. classics. Yeah. Okay. So really, the comedy genre is your favorite. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good comedy? Okay. Oh yeah. And the one-liners. Like the, some of those one-liners, like they'll live on forever. <laughs> Absolutely. 
so what about your favorite book? My favorite book, gosh. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. So I've, I've read it like, I, I like a lot of like more like educational development books, but that's kind of boring, right? So like some of the Dan, Dan Brown ones are fun, like the mystery ones, but I actually, mm. I was one of those people that read the entire Twilight series in like a week. Okay. <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> Did you watch any of the movies? Oh yeah, of course. Right. I watched all the movies. <laughs> so how do you compare the books and the movies? Which one did you prefer? I'm a weirdo. I like to see mo the movie first and then read the book if it's good enough, because then I feel like you get like all those little extra like tidbits and details that you didn't catch from the movies. So mm. I was, I, and then you're never disappointed, right? You're never like, Oh, the book was terrible compared to the movie. So yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So if you're into it, um, your favorite superhero, if not, because I'm not one of those big superhero people, but um, historical figure. I do like, see, I, I like superheroes. I would have to say Iron Man. I really like Iron Man because he's kind of a smart mouth, little, little bit of a <laughs> little snarky. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, he gets it. He's a shit talker, but he gets it done. <laughs> Okay. All right. I like that. A lot of people choose him and Batman because they're not really superheroes. They're normal people that have done things uh, that make them superheroes. So sure. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Favorite gun and caliber, but they don't have to be married. So just because your favorite gun is a SIG pistol doesn't mean it has to be a nine mil or even a pistol caliber round. It could be a rifle caliber round. Yeah, sure. Um, God, so I always say, what you know, when it comes to guns, it's interesting because I always say there's people who like to collect, well, it's like cars, right? People who like to collect cars and work on cars. And then there's people who just like to drive cars and race cars. And I'm definitely the latter. I'm slightly less of a gun nerd. Like my dad could tell you every gun ever created and existed, every aircraft from World War II. He's one of, he's one of those people who just like really enjoys that piece. Um, I kind of like to have practical applications for my tools, right? So um, I really love my, I love my competition pistol. I love my CZ um, and I love nine millimeter, right? Cause it just kind of, that's why it's so popular. It gets everything done. Now I will say my exception to that is I've had my eyes out for a 50 cal gold tiger stripe desert eagle for absolutely no reason that it's ridiculous and I want one. <laughs> There's no practical application. It's just cool. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I like it though. That's that's good. Yep. <laughs> Nothing on eBay, huh? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately. Yeah, I can't I haven't found my friend's shop has their eye out and they I guess they just haven't been getting a lot of desert eagles import, imported lately anyway, but you better watch out. As soon as I find one of those gold tiger stripes, expect to see it on the gram. <laughs> <laughs> is that your new, will that be your new open gun? <laughs> in cost to shoot a match in 50 cal like that and like how long it would take you. You're like, hold on, hold on. It's, it's almost done recoiling. Just give me a second. <laughs> right. The poor steel. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I want one just because. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. America. America, exactly. 
<laughs> now, it seemed like going through your social media and stuff that shooting was uh, a family affair for you. Yeah. So yeah, when, it was. When did you first shoot a firearm? Um, <laughs> um, definitely when I was young enough, my dad had to help me hold it. I have a scar on my forehead from getting hit with a piece of brass. Um, wow. I don't know. I Yeah, I know, right? I was pretty young. So I, my dad would take me with him to the range when I was just a really little girl. And it would be, hey, honey, go pick up all those little, you know, gold brass shiny things. So I was his little brass rat. And don't put your hands in your mouth, right? Um, so I would go to the range with him and, and do that, which was fun. And then... But it was really one of those things. We only did it probably a few times a year. He would go a lot, but as a family, we would go, and it was nice. It was good kind of family bonding time and learning the basics, the fundamentals. Then it was actually when I got older that I started to, like, I think, like, early, early mid-20s, started to figure out, like, oh, there's this thing called competition, and it's super cool. So I uh, got into it more from, from there. But, yeah, I was young, single digits. I don't remember exactly when. <laughs> okay. Now, how... How did you find out about the competition? Like, were you, was it magazines or word of mouth? Or how did you find out about that? Yeah, so I guess, I don't know, I was like probably 23, 24, had gone through a breakup and like, you know, the the typical that age girl like I don't know what she does but I was like I'm gonna go like learn to do cool stuff so I took a woodworking class and I took a upholstery class and a break dancing class and I just started to do trying all these different hats and try different things and my dad was like you know you've always been a pretty decent shot and you enjoy it why don't you look into competition shooting and I was like never heard of her so um, I looked it up on YouTube and saw a bunch of people running around safely with guns. And I said, wow, that looks fun. And so I, myself and Sarah Cade, who is a part of Filster, if you know her by chance, or you, I'm sure you've heard of Filster, um, but just super random coincidence, her and I ended up taking our initial training, like holster and kind of range command training with the same guy on the same day. And we shot our very first match together. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. That was back in the IDPA days. Where they give you cookies and fishing vests and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was the start. So how how long did you stay in the IDPA realm? Not long, right? Like I think I met um you know, no offense to anybody out there because it's probably different in every pocket, but at least where I live, it's like you go and then you meet the other young people doing it and then they tell you to come to USPSA and then eventually they help you figure out the gear and you get the guts and then you go to USPSA. So at least that was my route. Maybe a season and then maybe some indoors in the winter like for another season, but it was pretty quick out of IDPA and into USPSA. And what when you made that transition, what division were you shooting in USPSA when you first started? Oh, production, right? That's all. It was production, or if you were a big baller, you were open, and that was kind. This episode is brought to you by Laser App, L-A-S-R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient, and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras, 
It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell cert guns and the cert AR bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. Kind of really the two big, you know, some some single stack, of course, was still the, the hardcore 1911s. Um, but yeah, production, Glock 34. That It was like you either had a Glock 34 or an MMP. Go race. <laughs> and then the metal fancy ones started coming out. <laughs> so when, even with your CZ, were you shooting production? I didn't have a CZ back then. You don't, you don't cruise into the industry with a CZ, right? Like that's, you know, you come in in your Ford and then you figure out your Cadillac from there, I suppose. So, um, I, I was shooting when the AccuShadow first came out and then I got an AccuShadow and then, um, switched to a Tanfolio, went to the limited platform for a while, just wanted to try a different division, try something different, uh, and then left um, and went to a CZ Shadow 2 back to, I don't know, production, but then pretty much just into carry optics then this past year. Was it hard making that transition back from large capacity to 10 round capacity? Yeah, that's why I didn't do a whole lot with production. I mean, I, pro I probably for matches mostly stayed in um, limited because I think stage planning is more fun when you don't have to worry about your, you know, 10 rounds. Like, you know, if you're a good shooter, they always say like your reload shouldn't mess you up. And I get that, but I just think it's more fun. You can take more risk and do more fun things on stages because half of the fun of shooting a good match, a well-designed match is stage planning. So I like being able to have more capacity to do that. So yeah, I didn't really do a whole lot going back into production, but I think the hardest jump was going from production to limited. That was really difficult actually. Was that just because of the difference in the calibers or? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> you know, if federal didn't make a round specific for USPSA and 40, I wouldn't have shot it. Cause like, factory 40 is just kind of punishing in my opinion um and when they made a round specifically for competition that was soft shooting i was like all right this is cool i can get into this um and at the time if you wanted to do a high capacity division it was limited or open that's all there was so i was like all right well i don't really want to mess around with open i don't want to load ammo i don't want to deal with everything breaking and gunsmith and all that stuff so went to limited and it was really difficult for me going from nine to 40 because you just have to relearn everything, right? As far as like site picture and recoil and all management, all that stuff. Cause there's a lot of different, like now I know there's a lot of different metrics and drills that you can do to, to speed that process along, but everything's just going to be more violent. It's going to move around more. So it just um, took some time to get used to that and figure that out. But once I did that, it made me a better shooter overall for sure. Now you you just started carry optics recently though, didn't you? I want to say 2022 or late 2021. 
Oh yeah, no, I've shot like maybe four matches in carry optics. I just, yeah, I had never shot a dot before. I was like, screw it, next thing, let's go. <laughs> How do so, you like shooting a dot? You know what? Um, well, part of the reason is, is productions die in, unfortunately, right? Whether, yep. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that could be, but um, productions kind of die in. So it's not really fun going to a match and shooting a division nobody else is shooting, right? Like, who are you shooting against? It's not as much fun. Um, there's some people out there I know that like shoot production, trying to see where they can punch into in the overall. But um, so I like shooting a dot. I will say this though, like you always hear it's so much easier if you've never shot anything with irons, that is so not true in the beginning. You're like, oh my God, that thing's everywhere. Where is it? Holy crap. So um, just like anything else, it takes some time to retrain and and get comfortable with it. And now I really like it and it's fun. It helps you shoot target focus. But in the beginning, I was like, I feel lied to. This is not easier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for three decades, I shot iron sights and then yeah. I put a dot on and I'm like, I can't find this thing. Where's this thing at? So at locals, I was going to different people that seemed to just pull it out of their holster and start shooting. I'm like, where are they finding this thing? I'm like, hey, how did how did you get to this point? And they're like, every one of them, dry fire. Yeah, like, 100%. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, there's my problem. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an index thing, right? It's the same reason yep. why a really good shooter can shoot irons target focused all the time. Because every time they grip and align the gun, it aligns the same way you know, on, on target. So that's, you know, that, but it's, yeah, driver, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And I, I feel that irons, there's an advantage where it's always in your peripheral. So when you bring it up, even if they're not aligned, you can see where it's not aligned at. But if, if you don't put the time in with a dot yeah. and you bring that thing up and you don't see a dot, now you're like turning that thing in circles, trying to figure out where in the world that thing's at. Absolutely. Absolutely. That happened. And it, it's funny because if you've got a little bit of like rifle or PCC experience, that can happen as well. I know there was a stage where I think I was just messing around shooting some, something in PCC and you had to switch shoulders mm. because of the, the a lean that you had to do, like a tough barricade. And so I'm all, oh my God, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> and you're just sitting there and you can just like hear every second tick out loud. It's horrible. <laughs> but yeah, same yeah. thing happens with pistol. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Now you're, it, I noticed on you, you made a comment on your uh, Instagram that you run a 5MOA dot mm -hmm. and it looks like you're using an SRO. Mm -hmm. So how are you liking that setup? Rifle, that's really common and and some people it works really well for them on pistol too but sometimes for pistol uh based on like your kind of your needs for pistol that larger dot can be a little easier to pick up sometimes for some people and it just kind of worked out that um it was it was gifted to me um by a friend and so it was essentially like here you know just try it out tried it, it worked for me so i like i've been liking it and, and the sro for me luckily has work now i said i only got like four or five matches in with that gun um but nothing's broken yet you know fingers crossed because i think that's been a big thing for people is the you know getting their optics to hold up through lots and lots and lots of rounds yeah i mean i've been using mine for two years and i haven't even had a hiccup with it so and i've nice. had yeah i've had Juanzik on and you know he and i have talked about it and he had, at the time, he had like 125,000 rounds on each one without a problem. Wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's like anything else, you know. 
they're all coming off of a, an assembly line of sorts. So you never know where one thing may not be the same as the others and you have issues. So, and that's on the manufacturer to have good quality control, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> yep, exactly. But you know, it's no different than a vehicle or yeah. whatever else. Absolutely. So any type of electronic equipment. Yep, absolutely. So, so now how long have you been shooting USPSA? I, I don't want to say seriously, but we'll say just competitively. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I got into it in 2013 or 14, I want to say, um, both IDPA and USPSA, because I shot my very first IDPA, or excuse me, my very first USPSA match in October of the same year that I shot my first IDPA match. So, um, you know, it was pretty quick transition into that sport. So got into it 2013 or 2014, didn't really get serious about it for a couple of years. And then um, I expanded my salon, like my business in 2018. So I kind of um, had to take a little bit of a break and put some more energy into that. So I kind of kind of been on and off, still shooting, but like being more serious. I've had some injuries and surgeries this past year, but so now that I'm getting past that, I'm really excited to start training, getting more serious divisions too. You're like, I'm bored. I would like to, you know, you just need something to kind of refresh that motivation to train again. So that's what, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. It's got to be, like, I have a crazy schedule that makes it hard for me to get to matches and shooting and all of that. I work um, 72 hours in five days, three 24-hour 24 24 shifts in a five-day period. Then I have a four-day break, and then I do it again, four-day break, and I do it again. So it's... <laughs> what are you doing It's a 24-hour shift? Uh, I'm a paramedic firefighter. Oh my so, gosh. Well, God bless you, but holy buckets, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, um, I've always been on a busier unit. So I finally, I was like, mm -hmm. mm, I, I think I want a slower pace now. But right. even then, I mean, after, after those five days, there's time you've got to have for recovery. But my point was, as I, I've been a, a business owner myself, um, not at your level, okay? But so I know that that also has to play a part in how difficult it can be to stay competitive. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's ebbs and flows, right? So when, um, that's why, you know, I started to probably get serious about competition, maybe 2015, spent two, three years kind of be more serious training. And then it was really time to expand my business in 2018. Um, and that was build out, um, reconstruction, loans, hiring staff, like all of those mm. things, renovations, all of that. So that was a, that took a lot. Um, and it was happening through the summer. So it was just like, you know, I was just okay with like, all right, this is a season where it's time to put some effort into something else. And then once I hired on staff, it was cultivating them, getting them trained and ready. And now I'm very fortunate because I've been able to travel and do things more and be in the salon a minimized amount of time because I have such good staff. But I also have to remember to be available to support them when they need it. Um, and if we have to hire new staff, so yeah, it's definitely a, a balancing act. I mean, you know, it, it, no matter what you're doing, when your time is monopolized like that, it can be difficult. Um, but lately, especially I have such a good team that I've, they've really been blessing with me being able to go do 
other things and focus on other things. And that's been really great. Cause I've, especially I think post 2020, like a lot of people, right. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, if you're, if you're into firearms at all, post 2020, you all of a sudden became the person that people in your life want to ask questions and, and look to for guidance. And so I've been working a lot more with, um, you know, whether it's just doing events or whether it's actually doing like a little bit of instructing with new people and um, women, that kind of thing. I really enjoy seeing that confidence that people are getting becoming experienced and trained uh, firearm owners. Yeah, I was going to ask you how um, 2020 affected your business and your ability to compete, because I'm sure that I mean, just two years earlier, you were just saying, you know, you expanded your business, so you took out loans, you did all this stuff, and then yeah. 2020 hits, and it's like, oh boy. Yeah, and we didn't. This episode is brought to you by Gun Butter. Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. Even we didn't move into our location and open until October of 2018. So it was just maybe not even like a year and a half when we had to shut down. So yeah, no, that sucked. I was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was super mad. We were forced to shut down. My state especially was one that was not very friendly to business. Uh, that's when I got involved with Turning Point USA, because <laughs> I had some thoughts about it. Um, so yeah, I was really upset about that whole thing. It was not good. And then I live in Minneapolis or outside of Minneapolis. And so we've obviously had, you know, some major, um, you know, the stuff with George Floyd. And then we had a huge crime spike that's gotten better, but it's still not. I mean, there's parts of the city that unfortunately all the businesses closed. They moved out of town and, and those places will, you know, never or not for a long time uh, be revitalized, which is sad. But um, yeah, I think we had, you know, our murder rate went up in the triple digits. Our carjackings went up by like 700% or something insane like that. So, I mean, it's, it was just really, really bad. Now you mentioned something training. Do you, do you train other women in like concealed carry defensive gun, that type of thing? Yeah. So, um, I was brought on NRA for a really brief time, had a program called carry guard that they were there you know, so like kind of a cut above like the, the typical NRA training that they've had in the past. And so uh, myself and one other girl were brought in to be part of like their first kind of little cadre class. And, um, and, and it was really great. And I really liked the concept. And um, then obviously the NRA's training program and media program kind of imploded um, a little bit. And so, um, which is sad because a lot of people put some really, really hard work into that. So so that program went away. And then so from there, I really at first just kind of started having people ask me and I was like, I'm busy and I'm not really an instructor and I don't, I, I shoot, but like, I don't really want to do that. Let me refer you out. And, and then eventually I kind of had people, it's like, 
yeah, but either I or my wife, or my girlfriend, they want you to teach her. <laughs> and so um, I started just kind of doing that for friends and family and taking people to the range or like a lot of just new shooters, even that are guys. Um, hey, I just, I would feel more comfortable. I know you, you're my friend. Like, would you treat, you know, teach me or, or take me out for a range day? And so I started doing that, really liking it. And then there's been um, some local ranges and some people I've worked with that have asked me to start helping them. I'm actually getting ready to go down to Waft. Um, the scenario-based training center down in uh, Florida, um, oh. in, Orla in Orlando. Have you are you familiar with them? I am not. Um, yeah, so the Mitchellex train there sometimes. Uh, Sig and HK have filmed, you know, different content. There's been a lot of cool people who have come down there, but it, it used to be invite only, and I think this is the first year they're going to start opening it up a little bit more general. But um, I'm headed down there. Um, Joe Farewell, if you know who that is, he's one of the directors of their education there. Um, so. Oh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm headed down next week to take a class kind of there, and then I'll be instructing, um, helping to instruct a women's class there in February. So yeah, doing more of that. I really, I really enjoy it. I like, at the end of the day, like I like competition because that's fun for me, but it's all about preserving um, the Second Amendment. And I think while, you know, it's just like, oh, that's the con Constitution, cool. But at the same time, the way that you get people to really preserve something and get them to care about it is by helping them find that joy of it, you know, whether it's as a family thing like it was for me growing up or whether it's a competition thing but getting people to truly find joy and um, enjoyment and entertainment and firearms too i think is how you actually preserve that and, and i i pose that question because of where you live and everything that happened did mm -hmm. you see a spike in women wanting that kind of training absolutely women everybody mm. i live in a a state where you know, even guys are like, oh yeah, I used to, you know, gr grew up hunting or whatever, because it's Minnesota, but it is, it's even guys here for a while, there's a period of time where it's kind of taboo if you're a guy who carries or whatever, generally, not in my like circle and people I hang out with, but generally. Right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'd have I guys, girls, everybody asking me about like, well, what's the process to carry and how do I get into that? Where do I get training? How do I do this? So um, it, it feels really good to be a resource for those people because the message of, you know, important, safe firearms ownership. Um, and then also just people feeling confident because that was the biggest thing is I cannot believe, like I used to work downtown and bartend. I used to go out there all the time, you know, when I was younger and party. And then I used to just go there as an adult for dinners and shopping and stuff. And it was like, none of us would go. None of us would go into Minneapolis. We just wouldn't do it. Um, I still don't go down there as much, but it, you know, it's like for a while there, it was like, absolutely not. Like, don't even think about it. Don't go. Um, and that's sad to like for your city to go that way. So having people, um, or even just people like walking their dog and, you know, people were getting, um, somebody just told me a story of somebody in a nice neighborhood, in Minneapolis, uh, these guys jumped out at him while he was walking his dog and said, you know, take us to your house. And like, basically, so we could rob you. I mean, it's just having some confidence um in and some training is definitely important and i love seeing that for people the first time they start to get introduced to firearms yeah you're i mean you're right there on the edge of a large metropolitan area and i feel like you know even here in virginia if i go to richmond or charlottesville uh, or places like that um it it seems like there's an anti-gun movement in those urban areas but you go anywhere else in the state 
and man, they if they find out you're carrying a gun, they want to invite you to dinner at their house, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's funny. My, my friend owns a gun store in a um, kind of upscale suburb of Minneapolis. And it was funny how many people um, ideologically or politically don't necessarily al- align with most gun owners. But like after all the riots that we had here in Minneapolis, you better believe people came in in droves like, I don't know, but I'm here. I feel, you know, because they realized like there was a whole entire period of time where you could call and nobody was going to respond. And you're, they realized essentially that they are their own first responder. And that scared enough people who would have never dreamed of getting a gun to come in and try to get a gun. I I totally, I, I believe it and I get it now. You mentioned that, you know, you've done some stuff with Turning Point USA. That's actually where I knew your name from. So when I saw you at Nationals, I was like, oh, I know who she is. Um, And I knew that you shot competitively, but I'd never seen you anywhere. So seeing you at Nationals, I was like, oh, holy cow, Crystal Dunn is with Matt walking around. Let me, uh, (laughs) thank God I know Matt, so I won't seem weird just approaching these two. But, but. What I don't get, and since you've done stuff with Turning Point, maybe maybe you have some insight here, is mm-hmm. like even these last elections, is it still seems like people don't put a lot of stock in that, the Second Amendment and preserving those rights when they end up voting in the end. And I, I don't understand. I agree with what you said earlier. A lot of it is getting them involved, then... Maybe they have an investment there where they don't want to lose that right. But other than that, I I can't figure out what in the world and why people vote against those rights. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, a huge portion, I think, God, I don't remember if it was like a year or two ago where they said half the world's population was like under 30 or something like that, right? And so I think part of it could definitely be a generational thing where this new generation of voters is they are, um, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance, first of all, right? Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that I think like PragerU, Turning Point USA is good at doing is those little like, you know, Joe, whoever on the street asking kids on college campuses questions, right? And it was funny, I you know, like, what What do you think about firearms? Do you think people should be able to own firearms? Do you like the Second Amendment or do you support the Second Amendment? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 I do. And he's like, well, do you think there should be any restricted firearms? And he was like, oh, yeah, well, definitely uh, assault rifles. And they were like, okay, what is an assault rifle? He's like, oh, you know, anything that, that's more than one shot. You should only be like one shot and then have to reload. They were like, huh, so that's like, so basically it's all these people that don't really know what they're talking about and they're having opinions based on kind of you know, mainstream or whatever social media channels they follow. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, I also think that there are, um, well, like in Arizona, obviously there's some questionable things about, you know, like their processes for electing these representatives is there suppression for certain types of voters or certain precincts. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's an issue that they, that they have to that we collectively, but especially in certain places, need to sort out. Um, but yeah, and I think then even some of the older voters that are a little bit more informed, I mean, I've heard and had conversations with people who are like, gosh, you know, I really didn't like this guy, but this isn't going really well either. So, and it, so you hear those people and you kind of have to question like, well, what did they do once they got to the polls? Did they just kind of keep going with the old flow? Did they go 
independent and it kind of went who knows where you know but but when it when it comes to second amendment stuff i, I think that um it it is uh something that that shifts a lot and right now post all the the violent spikes that we it and a little bit more open to it but they might just still be reverting to old voting ways okay i also feel like um a lot of people they vote with their emotions and and i yeah. say that because like today we're having this conversation right now and earlier before we got on my wife was telling me about a shooting in colorado and you know, I could I could see where if um, elections were the Tuesday after Thanksgiving and, and it's so close where they're like, oh, well, there's that shooting. So we need to vote for gun control. You know what I mean? Like they're not thinking logically. They think emotionally. And I, I think that's a lot of the problem as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think a, a good example is some of the this whole like Elon and Twitter thing. Mm -hmm. Um like I saw there was a couple of kind of more notable people that are like, let's all get rid of our Teslas and drive big gas guzzling polluting. And it's just kind of like, do you actually believe anything or stand for anything? Like it's, or is it all about just being spiteful? Like, I don't know. It's real. And people are very emotionally driven. They, they are not logical and they don't even necessarily care or take the time to be informed. Formed. I think sometimes people think like if I hear my news or my information from this source, it's 100% aligned with me and I agree with it. I'm going to do whatever this source says. But if it's coming from this source, I won't even look at it. I won't see if there's any validity to it. I'm immediately going to be like, nope, that's nuts. And I think part of that is that's where a lot of people are, are getting that from that emotional kind of bias to everything. <laughs> Well, and, and with the statistics you quoted earlier about so many people under 30, I think that's where you see a lot more because they don't have the life experience. So they may not have a, a lot to fall back on mm -hmm. other than that emotional attachment to whatever. Oh yeah. Is it bad that I like am so excited? Well, no, this is, this is sounds terrible. I am partially excited for the recession for this younger generation. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm like, I, so I started my career in 2007. So right at the beginning of it. Mm, so I knew what it was like yes. to, to build through that. I saw uh, Best Buy had something called Termination Tuesdays. It was coined because Best Buy corporate is up where I live. And so every Tuesday people would come in and get fired. And it, of course that was absolutely horrible for these people. But this generation now, like they truly, like I said, that cognitive dissonance, like don't understand how good they have it or, or what's going on. And I've had... I've had to be trying to hire this last year. And I asked my employees, they're like 22, 23. I'm like, what is the deal with these people with their work ethic with their, like I had a girl apply and she wanted full time and she applied for three, six hour shifts and one four hour shift. Cause she wanted to be off by noon to go to the cabin on Fridays. And I was like, well, honey, don't we all, but that's not, that's not how you start. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And when I was on the phone with her too, she was like, oh, my current place wasn't giving me enough hours. And I was like, did you tell them the same availability you told me? Because um, I don't know about that. But I asked them, I'm like, what's the deal with these? And she was like, a lot of people, like they still live at home or their parents are bankrolling their cars, their education, their insurance, their phone bills, their everything. And so there's a little piece of me that's like, all right, well, when mom and dad are having, you know, to scale back on their own luxuries and their own bills, maybe these kids are going to have to find out how to adult for themselves. And that would be good for the whole country. <laughs> yes and no. 
I hope. I hope. <laughs> I mean, I I was in my teens when Jimmy Carter crushed the economy. And I can remember we had a Suburban and we had mm-hmm. two Volkswagen Bugs. And my dad would take the Suburban because we were, they had, there was gas rationing in 79. And this episode is brought to you by Hoist. Hoist your IV level rehydrating electrolyte blend of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. It's clinically proven to hydrate 110% faster than water. Chris Gelnet was on episode 63 and gave his own personal testimony. He had a bad experience with the heat at Area 8 in 2021 when temps were near 100 and the humidity was high. He was ready to quit with three stages to go. He had mentally checked out. Afterward, he listened to episode 48 with Rachel Trotta, decided to try hoist, bought a case off Amazon, started using it at locals and found, hey, I'm not fatigued at the end of the day. So he took it to Area 5 and at the end of the day, he was ready to shoot the match again. As a matter of fact, he even had a stage win on his last stage. Man, they have all the best flavors. They have watermelon, peach mango, dragon fruit, strawberry lemonade, grape, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. It's probably the only beverage that I've tried that I like all of the flavors. You can buy it either in a powder and mix it with water, or you can buy it pre-mixed, whichever way you prefer. But check it out, get hydrated, stay hydrated, use Casual Shooter and save 10%, or be like Chris and have a recurring subscription and save 15%. He would, so if your license plate ended in an odd number, you got gas on odd days and even numbers, even days. So he would take the Suburban down and fill it up and then use it to siphon gas out of, to use as a gas station for the other two Volkswagen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I I grew up knowing that the economy and all of that was a a big deal. And I I actually voted for H. Ross Perot the year he ran against um, Clinton and Bush Sr. Because... Before then and since then, he is still the only presidential candidate that got on national television and had a flip chart and explained exactly how he was going to do everything and make everything good. I'm like, dude, you got my vote because nobody else has a real plan. They just jabber, 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 jabber. But that dude got up there with a flip chart and I'm like, I'm in your corner. But of course, when that happened... They're like, yep, those uh, candidates aren't allowed in debates anymore and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like now we are stuck with two candidates and that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't he like famous because he like, didn't he bankroll himself for most yes. of the part? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He paid for everything. So there was no contributions from outside. He paid for all of his stuff. Yeah. he's He is still my favorite candidate for president other than... The first one I voted for was Reagan. I thought he did a great job. That was my first presidential vote ever. Um, but I, and I think Trump Trump's policies were great. I just think somebody needed to throttle his Twitter back for him. So, yeah. 
I mean, I, I'd like to see a DeSantis at some point. I'm a big DeSantis fan. I am a huge DeSantis fan. Um, and I think if you look at the results of this past election, I think it shows how well all of the flo- the Florida residents, what they think of him, because it was overwhelming. Everybody he supported in the state yeah. won. He won all, voters from every race, nationality, everything. So, and and I like the way he he handles himself. It's very good. Well, and I think he won a lot of. I think he won a lot of people over in his state that maybe were doubters previously because he handled that hurricane. I think probably as good as you possibly could have expected somebody to with the with the severity of it, the devastation. Yeah, well, that he handled the pandemic very well. He handled. Yeah. He's handled every major crisis in that state very well. Yeah, absolutely. Even even Disney, he's like, nope, this is what we're doing, like it or not. This is how yeah. it's going to be. Okay, uh, I like it. He's 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 very much a statesman as well as a uh, great policy. So absolutely. <laughs> Man, we definitely got off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, no, I I like it. I'm good with it. I mean, I I've had Gabby Franco on here, and yeah. you know, I wanted to get her back on just to talk about this kind of stuff because of yeah. where she came from and. I mean, you see her social media. She's like, look, we don't want to go down this road. Yeah. And, you know, that's actually why I am involved in the Second Amendment. My my grandmother is from China and she was she was involved in she was a child during the Sino uh, Japanese War, World War Two, the Korean Civil War and the Chinese Civil War. So she literally got trapped in between all of those um, and witnessed, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, rape of Nanjing or Nanking, whatever they call it now. Um, But that was a kind of historical event that happened. And that's where she lived when that happened. And she escaped from there. And so she, you know, I grew up hearing about what it was like to, you know, have to crawl through a field and lay next to dead bodies and pretend you're dead so you don't get shot and, you know, hide and run and uh, communism bad, right? Um, Wish we had firearms to protect ourselves. People we know would have lived. Um, You know, she just, she went through such amazing, crazy uh, journey growing up that that is where my passion for the Second Amendment comes from. And that is very closely tied to the policies of where she lived at the time, too. And unfortunately, a lot of those people aren't around anymore. And yeah. even the even the there are more people like Gabby, but they're not able to get out there and and make their voices heard as much as I would love to hear more of them. Even the ones that are immigrants and are are anti-open border you know they don't even get their voices heard as much and the reason why because it's all good to hear absolutely yeah gabby does a lot for the for uh, the second amendment which is really appreciated she really does so and she's local here so i like seeing her at matches oh nice nice so getting back on track a little bit yeah uh i know that last year you were kind of hampered a knee surgery or something like that? Yeah, this year. Yeah, this year. Okay, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by last year, I meant last season. Oh, last bad. season. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you were at Nationals. So what did you think of that? 
Yeah. Well, yeah. So I tore my ACL in end of April, had surgery in May, and then, yeah, made it to nationals in September and then had shoulder surgery end of September. So snuck in just a few matches in between. Yeah. Well, the shoulder was, has just been a recurring thing. And once I tore my ACL and had to have that um, done, it was like, well, you hit your medical one year of healing done and then you're done. So um, it was, it was nice. I'm glad I went. Um, the match I thought went off really well. I, I, it was my first time to Talladega. So I thought it was a really nice facility as far as like range and everything. So really enjoyed it, but you know, of course didn't have the training time that I wish I would have didn't have, you know, all of that because I was in between, you know, recoveries and all these things. But, um, I feel like if you can let your own ego go <laughs> and you can still go out and have, not only have a good time, but uh, it'll it'll give you it'll show your strengths and weaknesses and what you need to work on. And being that I was brand new to this division, I learned a lot and was able to come back from that match with like, all right, going in the off season. Here's what we need to do. <laughs> and what what are some of those things you need to work on? Well, like you said, index right. Like when I draw, my dot needs to be there. Especially there was that my very first stage of the match was the strong hand weak hand stage, and I actually did mm. you know, pretty pretty decent on that stage. Um, because that one really ate some people's lunch. Um, so <laughs> people kind of, it, and it's always the close-up stuff that gets people, right? It's the close-up stuff that just guys, a little degree of difficulty, like strong hand weekend only, or like, you know, there's some hard tight partial targets in there or something like that, that people are like, oh, this is bad. And it's like, Mike, no shoot penalty. Um, so, but yeah, no, I, for me, it was like building an index, um, some of the, the movement stuff as my knee stability comes back. Um, and then really just that, training target focused all the time is difficult and of course there's a bunch of different training methodologies and things out there you can do to help with that but with that like all right i know what i need to do <laughs> and it involves more dry fire that's the big secret right <laughs> yeah it really does yeah to build all that now um are you able to get back since you had shoulder surgery, shoulder are, surgery. are you able to get back into that or yeah, so I literally, uh, I've been doing some weekend dry fire, and then I just got cleared this week to start uh, shooting pistol. He seemed less enthused about rifle and shotgun. Actually, he seemed to be mm. like, shotgun never. Um, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but but pistol I'm, I'm cleared for this week, and then we'll, we'll start incorporating some rifle when it gets warm enough to do so again. Okay. Because we got snow already out here. <clears throat> Uh, I am not so, I mean, you live within the Arctic circle, so I get it. I know. <laughs> it's like Canada South up there. It is. It is. We were like, what's Minnesota yeah. like? I'm like, like Southern Canada, but we get to have guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not banned up there yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I've had Josh Freilich on, so I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, you have like a three month season. I don't get it. Uh huh. Yeah. No, Josh is, Josh is a good buddy. I've spent a lot of time at his property and got to see it evolve. Because uh, we we do a lot of things for federal up there, and he just—I tell you what—he is for somebody who has to deal with the odds and the short seasons and the weather and stuff. He has just built a little like dude shooter hunter playground up there. So <laughs> yeah, he really has. Yeah. Uh, the um, I ran into him again at nationals and chatted with him there, but I told him I said. Man, that cabin and your facility, everything is looking amazing up there. He's like, you got to come up and shoot. I'm like, I know I do, but I got to find time and ammo right. and everything else. Everything else. Yeah, yeah, I got to go to the lodge and it's just, they, he did a great job with it. It's beautiful. 
Yeah, I've seen the pictures. That looks amazing. So I may just have to take a road trip sometime just to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's a road trip for me. He's like an hour and a half for me. <laughs> so I feel like I I did some hunting on his property last year or the year before. And they, you know, get it. I was like, I have to leave at like four and I'm still staying in Minnesota. This is crazy. But it was fun. He's got some really nice like blinds and stands up there. And just it's a great property. He did a really good job with it. Wow, that's awesome. Now you, speaking of rifle and shotgun and all that, you seem to have shot a little bit of everything. Yeah, I have. So you, what type of rifle have you done? Um, well, so I, when I first got into it, of course, everybody, they make you try a three gun match. And so I went and did a little bit of three gun and I really like, um, rifle. I like PCC and I, I like, you know, the AR platform. Um, I, I will probably, if I get a chance, go, you know, Max and Linda have that PCS, I think it is. Mm -hmm. PCS, PCSL. Yeah. 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 PCSL league. And I would like to go do some of that. That looks really fun. I'm just not a fan of shotgun. I'm like, I just want to put a magazine in there and forget it. Like all of the practicing <laughs> quad loading. Also, I'm like, this is for the birds, dude. This is not my thing. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't, it's not my thing. So um, did like one or two, three guns. And I was like, I'm good. This is fun. Thank you. And they take all day and there are different rules at every match. And it's like, they've just, they've got, yeah. A lot of equipment too. A lot, yeah, a lot of equipment, like, you know, barrier to entry, that cost and stuff. And luckily I had people who would loan me gear, but if you're somebody new getting into it, it's a lot. Um, so if, if they clean up their rules and get their act together, I think it'll be a little bit more fun. We, we have a good group in Minnesota specifically that puts on really good matches and puts a lot of work into it. But um, I, uh, at one point in time, Federal started to come out with the Valkyrie round and JP was, you know, building a barrel for it. And so the two of them kind of got together and asked me if I would maybe do a season in long range to help promote that and, you know, kind of document the journey of somebody being new into it. And so that was my first, like, match that I went to. I was top 10 um, out of, you know, kind of our little regional around here. So I just naturally excelled a little bit more there than I did pistol, which is funny because I enjoy pistol more, but I, of course, am a little better at the the thing that I don't enjoy as much. Um, and also requires a lot of just, I like if you practice like with pistol and your fundamentals and your marksmanship, you can pick up a gun and just go. Um, with rifle and long range, you need to know your equipment, you need to know your dope, you need to be sighted in, you need to like know the weather and the all this. And, and I just didn't like it. I was like, I don't, that's too much. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's ballistics involved. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff, much more stuff involved. Yeah. So because of that, I'm, I want to take some classes because I'm like, I need to just get over that right and, and find and be more proficient at that and then i don't think it'll i'll shy away from it so much but I, I i did do a season in it it was really really fun i did go up to blue steel ranch in new mexico and do the team steel safari match and that was like a heck of a ride very different type of competition you have six minutes but you have to find the targets range them call them out to your partner and it was it went fast it was, it was adrenaline but a different type and so that was fun i i would do something like that again but like i said i just want to um, spend a little bit more time. And, it, and that's another one where it's it's hard. It is an expensive game to get into. You can drop, you know, 10 to 15K in that just on your first, you know, get in, get your gun, get your optic, get a couple of things, and there you go. So other thing is I kind of like to play around in the sports that are accessible to other people um, and, and promote that to, to where it's actually like affordable for people to do. But um, I think 
uh, NRL is a good answer to that because I'm going to do a 22 build at some point here soon. And and that, and, and two, you don't have to have as much distance. You don't have to have, you know, in my state, there's maybe three ranges with enough distance to do um, a true long range match and the higher calibers, but you could go do an NRL match with the, you know, the scaled 22 anywhere. So that I think is a cool answer to that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the PRS stuff is, um, I, my background is actually rifle. Okay. So, um, I've shot a lot of long range stuff, but not PRS. PRS is new and, um, mine is mostly, NRA and then military long range stuff. So, but yeah, it's, it's very expensive. Um, I kind of got into the pistol thing just to get a little better. And because the rifle thing is so expensive. It really, really is. It's, it's expensive. And, um, you know, like I said, like a three gun match takes all day. Even like the long range matches can kind of be take all day where it's like a pistol match. You can get up, go shoot a match, have a burger with your friends and still be home by two if your matches ran well. Uh, still be home by two or three and still have the rest of your Saturday. So um, I, you know, it, for your average person that's not traveling and shooting super seriously, um, I think on a, on a weekend basis, it's just a little, pistol's a little bit more accessible. Yeah. NRL, I, I was, NRL too. Yeah, I was driving three hours one way just to shoot a, a 600 yard match, so. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. But but if you mm -hmm. live in the Southwest, there's some more opportunities, I think, in the Southwest. And it is a fun game. I think it's a good skill to have. So that's why I'm going to take some more classes in it, figure it out a little bit more. Um, because there there is a different type of thrill when you fire off a shot and you feel like you're sitting behind your optic for like, 30 seconds in reality it's like probably like one one and a half and then you see that steel move you know like 200 yards away and you hear impact and you're like that is the coolest thing in the world yeah for sure absolutely but yeah a a good i mean if you're going to get serious about long range rifle then you're looking at you know probably 5k to start for a rifle and optic alone and then a dollar around for ammo and everything else you've got to have so it ends up being <laughs> quite you know it's it's like an open gun but the ammo three times as expensive yeah i think the setup that i shot i you know because again so i i was doing it as kind of a, a one season like demo thing so i think the i think the setup i shot was nine to 11 K including the optic. And then you get in like a decent, um, you know, tripod. If you have to do mm -hmm. like a, a match like that, you need a decent tripod, put your bipod, you put your, you know, your gear, you have, you know, the bags, then you got to get the bags. Um, yep. and then, and then, yeah, like, and then your ammo. And so that racks up quickly. And, and then the Kestrel, of course you need a Kestrel. That's uh, really good yep. math. Uh, I was going to say, you can't forget the Kestrel. <laughs> yeah. So. can't forget the Kestrel unless really, you know, and so I just, I was like, yeah, this is just not, it's not an easy game to get into and then stay competitive with. Yeah. And people who've only shot pistol, you know, they reload ammo and they'll have an automated machine. Well, that's great. I reload my own six, five Creedmoor. And I'm talking at least, a, I can only do about 60 rounds an hour, about a, a round a minute. Because wow. I'm making sure everything's just right. Yeah. It's not automated. So I can't do, a, you know, several thousand rounds in an evening. Not so that you would, 
you don't shoot as many either in rifle, but still, right? Yeah, so much, much more time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah kind of so, <laughs> paused out. Um, yeah, you don't shoot as many rounds in rifle long range, um, but it, but, but still, it's a much more time heavy investment to load that ammo for sure. Yeah. So I mean, you're it, like, if even if you're shooting a hundred rounds in the weekend, that's a hundred dollars in ammo, which and your time. You know, how, yeah, and how much is that? And then your entry fee, and then your time, your driving. Like when I would drive to those 600-yard or 1,000-yard matches, it's three hours one way. Then I'm getting a hotel room to stay overnight because it's a two-day match yep. to shoot to shoot maybe anywhere from 80 to 120 rounds. So I'm still looking at 80 to $120. That was before the pandemic. Yeah. So it's it's all kinds of nuts. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely I mean, nobody does this sport, any of the shooting sports, I think, because they're hoping to get their money back out of it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect segue. Thank you, Crystal, which brings up Prairie Fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a new concept. It, it is so um and I, I bring that up because you did post the thing where you were down there and you were interviewing tim yeah uh, the winner congratulations to him yeah now you've been around shooting almost 10 years mm -hmm. um i we're both new to the competition side of all of this but what are your thoughts on, I mean, if this thing continues to work the way they envision it, this is, this could revolutionize that to where you might draw in some people who are looking to possibly be able to recoup some money and then be able to make it more of a profession and not just a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was definitely one of their, their goals. Um, I don't want to speak, you know, too much kind of for what it is, but it's still a somewhat working concept. And, you know, Lanny Barnes, if you, I think, have you spoken to Lanny ever before? Yeah. I, I actually I did a 30 minute quick interview with her. It was, a, okay. yeah, I'm going to have to have her on again. She's amazing. Poor Lanny got stuck next to me on a flight once. And I was like, tell me everything about your life. You're the coolest person I've ever met. Um, <laughs> and we actually, her and I were on a, uh, her and I and Tess Salb and Julie Golub, um, we were all on a season of Love at First Shot that Julie used to do for NRA show. Or for NRA, I should say, excuse me. And um, so we, the three of us girls got to spend a week or two together doing all these fun challenges and things. It was really a good time. And um, so Lanny kind of pointed out that, you know, even though guns aren't really a thing in, in Europe, recreation and have 50,000 people cheering and excited and ready to see it. And she just said, you know, why can't that be a thing here? Why can't we have a shooting sport that people actually are excited about and it's accepted and supported and it, and it is a real thing, kind of like you said, more of a, you know, it's not just a hobby, right? Um, and so I think what Prairie, Prairie Fire was trying to do is also noting that it can sometimes watching match video, if you're not in it, can be kind of boring. So trying to blend that um, bit of making 
you know, kind of a new hybrid shooting sport that is fun and accessible, but also exciting to watch, right? Like that you get invested in the in the players and you want to root for them and cheer them on. So I'm really excited to be involved with them and watch to see how they continue to evolve this concept because, yeah, they at this point with the the purses that they have, like right, the, the match pot that they have, that's really attracting a lot of people. And yes. uh, it, yeah, it's something, something different, something we haven't seen. So it'll be exciting to see where they go with that. And I think it's really cool that um, it's open to every single person, you know, and, and like we were talking earlier about the shooting sports where, um, or at least I think we were, where you can, you can show up and they'll supply what you need to, to shoot and just to see where you land in comparison to everybody else, including those few professional shooters that there are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's something. I, it's something a little, uh, something a little bit different having having that um, that type of concept and and yeah, anybody show up with what you have or what you don't. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was the when you were down there? What was the energy like? Um, the energy was really good. It was it was interesting. Well, we did have a rain delay one day, so that was kind of a bummer. We had one day that we had to you know push things back, um, but that everybody was. was Friday. Friday. Right? Yeah. But yeah. everybody was really good sports about it and they were smart. They moved everything inside of the hotel. They had food. They had a open bar. They had the, um, mm. yeah, they had the virtual experience. So that was really cool. And then they had like a virtual competition inside that day. I was in a room interviewing people all day, <laughs> so I didn't really get to be out in there at all. I was literally in a dark room all day long doing interviews, which was fun getting to hear people's stories. But so I kind of missed a lot of what was going on in there. But um, I'm, it was a pretty fun day in there from what I could tell. Um, they definitely had a, a it was interesting because you had people who were competitive shooters like us who were really nervous about the bullseye portion. So if you haven't shot Bianchi, um, you haven't done that type of thing. They're like, oh my God, I don't know how this is going to go. Right. So it was funny because you had those people nervous about it. And then you had the people who are maybe just plink, maybe just do the, the group target shooting who are like, oh my gosh, if I get through, what am I going to do when it gets to the shoot offs? Like, how is that going to go? So that was kind of cool. Cause I feel like it pulled from both. Um, but I think once we got down to the final eight and we were under the lights and we were going head to head and, you know, man versus man shoot offs, that was really cool. And the energy was really fun. I luckily got to do sideline reporting for that. And God bless everybody who had the patience of them just getting off the stage, their general is running and I'm shoving a microphone and a camera in their face like oh my god tell me how you feel how did it go um and they were all so gracious and such good sports about it but i was genuinely excited it was really fun to watch it's it's got to be like trying to interview that coach who's going into uh halftime is just happening at the football game he's going into the locker room to talk to his team and quick hey coach how did the first half go what what are you going to do for the second half Right. Yeah, exactly like that. So I was a little nervous, but everybody's really nice about it. And, you know, they're, they're putting a broadcast together. They did something called live to tape where they filmed it. Like you would film a live broadcast, but since it was their first time doing all that, it's actually going to studio to be edited and then they'll release the broadcast in the day. So that'll be really fun. Is there a timeline for that? Or are you even allowed to say like what, when we might expect to see some of that? Hopefully really soon. I think the goal was to have it out within like a month of the event, but I, but yeah, not, not 100% sure, so don't quote me, but I know the editing crew and the, the um, you know, the media crew that they were using it for it were great guys. And I saw even some of the stuff that they've been putting out, just kind of little 
uh, some of the interview things and whatnot have been awesome. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. So, and then all the in-depth interviews um, that I did, and there is uh, Brooke Entz, who's a big CrossFit competitor. She interviewed some people. Um, so those will be coming out too, which is really cool because we got some really good sit-down time with some people. And I'm hoping at some point they'll even do a longer format with the interviews because they were they were really cool. We got some really good golden nuggets. I got to sit down with Jerry. I got to sit down with Lena. I got to sit down with um, some people that I had never met before that just have really cool backgrounds in the industry. So it was really cool jerry and lena i feel like they're the first family of shooting they totally are they totally are and how cool is it that i didn't know that jerry that apparently Kay, her dad won some really prestigious um marksmanship competition and he was like a champion shooter and so when jerry first started dating Kay, he was the young like nobody that had to live up to you know Kay's dad being this champion well-known shooter i'm like that's so cool wow yeah i had no idea wow yeah, yeah. And so he told it's me, literally in their blood it's literally in their blood a hundred percent um and 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 <laughs> Jerry told me um, that he started shooting at a dump. He was like, well, yeah, if you didn't have a range, everybody, you just go shoot at a dump. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's just what we did. And then he found out through Kay's dad that they had like a kind of a police-only marksmanship competition, and then it grew eventually into IPSC and that kind of thing and USPSA. And uh, yeah, just in in their in their blood. That's what I said too, because uh, apparently Lena was born at Shootout Lane at their property. And the way Jerry said it so simply was, well, the midwife was late and I was Johnny on the spot. I was like, what, does that mean you delivered Lena? And he was like, I was Johnny on the spot. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, that's amazing. Or in this case, he was Jerry on the spot. Yeah, he was Jerry on the spot. <laughs> yep, there to deliver Lena wow. right up to a range. I know, isn't that cool? That's cool why, well, I mean, that explains why she's so good right there. I mean, that's almost <laughs> cheating. Born yeah. into it, just born. Yeah, right born into right it. on the range. Yeah, wow, but they're all just the nicest, a... nicest people. They really are. Yeah, they're very interesting. Yeah, I think there are some, some other couples now getting into shooting that are shooting together that might add to the might be second and third and fourth family of shooting. <laughs> I hope so. Mason and Kay are really cool. And then actually, one of my favorite interviews I got to do is I got to uh, interview. Uh, Nils Jonathan and his wife Jess and they were some of my favorite they were one of my favorite interviews I think I did because they were like they could have been a rom-com like if the shooting industry could have a rom-com it would be them it was adorable <laughs> like he was working at a gun store she came in to ask about something and yeah. then he, he wrote his email down on a piece of paper and slid it across the glass and like he like like literally slid into your dms but like <laughs> <laughs> old school yeah manual old school yes yeah, they just have a good I had, story i had him on um i've had him on a couple times but okay. the first time i had him on we talked about it and he's like oh who's this pretty lady asking questions about shooting i can help there uh-huh, 100%. It was adorable. Yeah. And yeah. and part of what they're going to do with the um, prize money that he won in the match is because um, he, he took second and, and did great. Watching him and Tim shoot against each other was so exciting, so fun. Um, but part of that is uh, because they got married during 2020 is they're going to go have like kind of a little belated honeymoon in Thailand after they're done with World Shoot. And so that was part of what they're going to do. So I was like, oh, I'm so oh, happy. Cool. <laughs> Well, yeah. So, so you have them. You have Kaylee and Mason. Now you've yeah. got Casey and Jesse. They made it legit. 
so, <laughs> so I mean, so you're, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They've been together for God knows how long, but you know. Yeah. Um, so you're getting all of these really good shooters that are becoming. So there's going to be more there's... Michelic families coming along. I hope so. It's really cool to see. It's really cool yeah. to see. And I, and I and I and for me, like 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 Tim, cool getting to interview Becky and Tim and you know Sean and and um, uh, Mark and their younger son couldn't be there. But I think that's cool. I think shooting again, how you preserve that is making it a family affair. So I think that's really cool to see families doing that together. So I hope we see more of that. Yeah, and they are definitely another, I, I don't even, I mean, we just mentioned them. I don't know how I didn't mention that whole family and shooting. Holy cow. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're super cool. So how did, now how did you get, did Prairie Fire reach out to you or how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I have done some, oh, my dog's tearing something apart over there. Um, I have done some uh, media previously with some of the people that work at Prairie Fire and Prairie Fire um, has some uh, shared ownership with Staccato. And so I have done media for some people that um, are in those realms. And so they just knew that I kind of had a background in, you know, practical shooting and had some um, experience doing media stuff. And I genuinely like talking to people and hearing their stories. Like for me, I think that's really cool. I think it's not often, you know, you only get to live one life. You only get your, you know, ex lived experiences. And so if I can sit down with somebody and they um, would actually like honor me with sharing some of their coolest life experiences, like well, how cool is that? And then if we can put that on video and share it to other people, you know, how cool is that, that people get to absorb that and get the benefit of having somebody else's really cool experiences as some of these people in the industry have had. Yeah, and uh, there are a lot of cool stories out there. So I, I yeah. totally get it. That's yeah. probably the, the one thing I've gotten out of this is being able to talk to people and hear all the cool stories. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool like stuff you wouldn't expect too when you really get down to it and talk to people. And I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, even so. some of the stuff they share, I was like, oh, I wouldn't have expected them to share that. Yeah, well, that was part of it. Like that was one of our goals with Prairie Fire is to um, sh show the human side and the interest side of people. Because yeah, sometimes it's like, well, what do you know about Max Michelle? What do you know about JJ? Like he, they're a good shooter. They're good shooters who've been doing it since they, you know, were little, little babies. Um, and so to get to hear more about what motivates people and, and what they, you know, who they are as a person, I think is cool. And it becomes much more identifiable that somebody at home who's nervous or intimidated to get into shooting sports is like, oh, that's so cool. That person, you know, has this other hobby that I share with them. And, and this person, you know, does the same things that I do, um, you know, or, or their, or their family or their kid, or they, you know, they also have time to coach, you know, little league or whatever. So it's like, those kinds of things are cool. And I think it helps people relate. And it just, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to get to see that side of people too. Right. It reminds you that they're human too. They're not just this person who shoots. Yeah. They're not just like shooting robots, even though they seem like it sometimes because they're so good. Yeah. That's not all they are. Right. Yeah. They're like, they're machines, but Absolutely. They put in a lot of time to get there, so I get it. Yep, absolutely. So we mentioned briefly um, 
CMP. What did you think of the range at CMP? I thought it was cool. I thought it was super cool. I had never been there before. Um, I came in and I got warned about the video you have to watch. So that was kind of funny. That's like a known, <laughs> a known yeah. thing. You have to watch that video. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, it was just a, it was a beautiful facility. Um, their, their clubhouse is really nice and the range itself I thought was, was really nice. So yeah, I, I can definitely see why it would be the caliber of range to hold a national match. It just sucks because anytime you get like a big, nice, um, range like that, it's just usually in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's, that's one thing I liked about when they were holding matches in Utah, although I don't think that's like a range anymore even, but, um, back in, I think maybe six, 2016, 2017, they were holding, uh, ranges or holding nationals out at that range in Utah. And it was nice cause there was, you know, some stuff around and there was really cool Airbnbs and stuff, but that's the hard thing is to get a range with enough, uh, space to accommodate people. Sometimes there's just not a lot else around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had, um, the Williams sisters on, uh, yeah. Linda, Linda Turnbull and you know, they're from that St. George area yeah. of Utah. And I guess there have been some changes made to the range to make it a little better and some other stuff. Plus they have the accommodations. Nice. Where I guess it's, it's like a resort place. So they can accommodate any number of people, their stuff to do, all of that. Nice. Yep. Now, yep. Like you being a federal premium ambassador, do you ever make it to SHOT Show? Yeah, yep, I do. Sometimes when I'm there, I'll do some things with federal. Uh, they don't really bring a whole lot of their ambassadors anymore. Like a lot of things post-COVID have gotten different as far as like booths and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I do a lot with a friend of mine that has a gun store out by me. So I used to go with them and help them with some of the business that they had to do this year. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go or not because last year was just kind of a weird year. Like it was, you know, got canceled the year before that. Then last year it was kind of like, okay, we're going to have it. But then all these companies pulled out. So it's kind of a weird year. I wasn't sure if I was going to go this year. But now um, I have a couple of media things to do and helping uh, with some other companies. So I'll, I will be there bouncing around this year. I was there this past January. So 2022, um, that was my first time since 1996. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was in Dallas. That was the year the Cowboys beat the Packers in the championship game. And then they went on to beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. <gasps> That's uh, terrible. I'm a Steelers fan. <laughs> I grew up I'm a Cowboys fan. Well, I was <laughs> I was born in Dallas, so. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, so it's all good. We're both basically just rooting for our home team, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 2022 was my first time back there, and it was in Vegas, and I was like, this is way bigger than what it was in Dallas. I, like, I have no idea where it, <laughs> I was like lost that first day. Oh, I but, get lost every time I'm there, every time. <laughs> But I bring it up because I've been suggesting with as big as Carry Optics is getting mm -hmm. in um, the USPSA. I mean, it's ginormous. It's it's literally all the low capacity participants uh, and limited. If you add all of those together, then you get Carry Optics. That's how big yeah. it is. Yeah. And I've been saying, why not? Area two is always in November. It's like the second weekend in November. Why not have Carry Optics Nationals at the end of the year where every area championship is over mm -hmm. and have it the weekend leading into SHOT Show? You've got a range there in Vegas that can handle it. You mm -hmm. could probably 
um, recruit the National Shooting Sports Foundation to help. Uh, every single major um, firearm manufacturer and ammunition manufacturer would be there. So all of the people who are going to compete in the match are going to be there anyway for SHOT Show. I feel like, hmm, maybe that's a time where you can get a lot more media exposure too for that type of competition. What are your thoughts coming from another side of it? Um, well, I mean, I see the, I see what you're talking about, the benefits there. I would, I would say that there's probably some several amounts of drawbacks too, which mostly is you're talking about moving it from September to January, right? Yep. Which, yep. Mo so then, so then now most people are now mid off season, right? They're not training. They haven't shot a match in a long time. I have several friends who get pissed if anybody holds a match after October, because it's like, it's hunting season. <laughs> How dare you? It's hunting season. So how could you do that to me? Um, so I think there's there's that. There's also been a thing for a long time where they really don't want, you know, SHOT Show is supposed to be for industry people. So like if I don't have a thing to that I need to be there for, like I don't even, there's no reason for me to even go to SHOT Show as just a competitor unless I have an actual reason to be at SHOT Show. It's supposed to be industry only. Um, I think for people that shoot competitively and truly do work for these companies that are in the industry, that's a lot because you're already there at SHOT Show for over a week if you're somebody who's setting up or breaking down. Maybe you have to drive out there with gear. Maybe you have to drive your stuff back. Well, when are you going to have, what are you going to do with all your gear and take time to go park and shoot a match now too? And that's more time off, more time gone. So even though I feel like logistically people are like, oh, you're already in the neighborhood, I get that. And it would be cool to get a little bit more media exposure. I think for the people who would actually be involved, it would be like taking two big things and putting them together and they are already probably pretty pretty loaded up capacity wise for those things. So, but I but in general, I'd like to see shooting sports get more coverage. I think that would be cool. Um, and whether you just put it in an area where more people can get to, right? Because um, you know, yeah. Prairie Fire is in the process of hopefully acquiring Front Sight out in Vegas. Right. So, I mean, that would be way cool to have something like that out there where more people can get to it. I, with that, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I am. And, you know, when I had Lanny on, I was like, you know, even if Prairie Fire hosted like Carry Optics Nationals. It, and I just look at I love the range at CMP. Yeah. Um, I think they need more bays for a national level match of. Mm -hmm. You know, with that many competitors, mm -hmm. I think more stages would be excellent. Um, like more than but, three days, you mean? Or more than... Well, no, just just more stages. So maybe eight stages a day. So a 24-stage national. Mm -hmm. You could still do it uh, over three days. It, it'd be neat if you could do four, but that might be pushing it a little bit again just for people having to take time off or or whatever but um, yeah probably probably wouldn't affect the people that are there to win nationals it would be everybody there not to win nationals is who it would affect in a negative manner but well and you all anytime you do something like that you have to consider all the time ahead because there's you know several days on each end setting up and breaking down so anytime you've got the competitor portion it's, you know, even, even longer on other side. So yeah, when you start getting into, you know, four or five days, that kind of thing, now you're talking kind of like what they're doing at world shoot type of deal. I, right. I personally, I personally wouldn't mind shooting, you know, 
seven to 10 stages and doing it in two days. I'd rather spend less time being in a state I don't want to be in and more time shooting. And once I get ramped up and get going, I kind of like to like, I hate when you shoot a, a long match and it's like you shoot four stages and then you're done for the day or five stages and then you're done for the day. And you're like, I was just getting going. Like, let's, let's, let's do this. I'm here to shoot. And that, and that's a problem. When you have a lot of people to shoot a lot of matches and they have real jobs too, you you really need to be cognizant of that and and try to like we're you're here to shoot let's get you shooting and get you on your way kind of thing you know not everybody wants to take all their vacation time to spend five days in middle of nowhere Alabama <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? yeah absolutely um, and I think if they ever went to um, the staff reset then you could do eight to ten stages in a half day I've heard of people shooting. 10 stages in two and a half to three hours because they're not resetting the stages the, yeah. their staff doing that. So it moves a lot faster. I, I would actually like to shoot one of those matches just to see what it's like. Cause I heard it's, you're, you're not tired. You're, you're ready to go at the end, you know? Yeah. So there's a couple different methods to do it. Um, but yeah, I, the the matches where they have it like that, I think are are pretty cool. I know we're like, why can't we like pay like a high school sports team or something? You know what I mean? There's been a lot of things floated that I think would be kind of cool to do. But yeah, I think it'd be nice and get the matches moving pretty quick would be nice. Uh, absolutely, that that would be good. And what's your 2023 looking like competition wise? Yeah, so I definitely want to at least get down and take um, a long range class, if not do a long range mm. match or two. Yeah, because like I said, I'm like right now, I'm like, I don't like it. It's too much math and work. So I'm like, all right, Crystal, you need to like face that, right? You got to face that. Um, I would actually, along those same lines, I'd like to take a land navigation course at some time next year because I get lost so easy. Speaking of shot show getting lost, just wait, general. wait, is that legit? Are you legit? That's legit. Saying that? I legit, I. My, my, one of the most hurtful things one of my friends said to me is if you were a migratory goose, you would F over all the other migratory geese. Because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> they get lost so easy. <laughs> I have no sense of energy PS whatsoever. So I definitely will make some time to try to take a class like that next year. That's on the agenda. Um, and then, yeah, I'd like to do an NRL build, maybe do a couple NRL matches. And then I'm going to shoot um, as much uh, carry optics pistol as I can. I've got some friends in the Southwest that I'd like to get down and shoot some matches with. So I'd like to do a lot more carry optics next year, a lot more matches. And then um, I hopefully have some more media stuff I'm going to be doing. So it'll be... And then I have a, a business I'm supposed to be present at, so it'll be busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, NRL, PRS, land navigation, carry <laughs> uh, optics. I mean, where are you going to find time to run a business? You're going to have to hire someone just to run your business for you. All right. I, we're, we'll try to work it out. We're going to do as best we can. <laughs> opportunities come around i just try to if i can and it makes sense i try to say yes right and then we'll figure it out from there that's usually the idea okay <laughs> like that's a, it's a bold strategy cotton we'll see how it works out for us. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so i want to share the screen real quick before we i <laughs> finish up this interview so let me crop it real quick and I feel like you've gotten into some marketing with your salon. 
So. Uh, like, have I? That I don't know about? <laughs> uh, so this. Facials oh. and facials and firearms. I feel <laughs> like that is a direct marketing attack on men. <laughs> how am I going to draw more men into the salon? I know. Firearms and facials. That's how I'll do it. That's so funny. Okay, I was like, where, where is this going? You know what? It's funny you say that. There's pictures of me at both SHOT Show um, and Area 3 doing eyebrows. Men's brows. Men's brows. Uh, I, I'm going to shave mine off. I've already told my wife I'm shaving mine off. I am tired of dealing with them. <laughs> I I actually have a picture of me doing Matt Hopkins brows at, um, at SHOT Show one year. Mm -hmm. So I All will right. send you that photo. <laughs> okay, that um, I am looking forward to. Yeah, but no, the, the facials and firearms, it's just I have two girlfriends on a podcast, and when we get together, we just blah, blah, blah about everything, and that ended up being what the subject matter was at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what? I always joke around. I tell guys, if you – when it comes to guys' brows, we're not trying to make it obvious that they've been done. We just want to make sure that they're, like, clean and groomed and that there's two – we want to make sure there's definitely at least just just two, not one. Um, right. and, and I always say it'll improve your peripheral vision and your shooting by by proxy. So. Yeah, because <laughs> my problem is I do have two distinct ones, but the problem uh -huh. is they're going this way. Oh, they the Rooney, everywhere. the Rooney brow. Remember the sixty yes. minutes guy? Like, yeah, yes, you guys, yes. yes. We trim them, we trim them down, we we groom them. Yeah, it's a thing. We can help you with that. Yeah, I've got a razor. That's about what my grooming's about to be on them because I'm losing now, my patience with my eyebrows. That and the guys will put the guard on them and just buzz through them. I'm like, no, we're not supposed to buzz cut our eyebrows. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that's our land navigation problem is grooming. <laughs> well, that's that's probably better than me getting lost in a in a in a paper bag. So right, all right. <laughs> Well, is there anything it. else you want to mention or any plugs you want to add? Oh my goodness. No, I would say at this point in time, I gave you my general plan of what's on the agenda for next year, but your guess is as good as mine at this moment. And that's kind of one thing I love about it. It's kind of a wild ride. So we'll, we'll see, maybe we'll revisit it at some point next year and I could be like, Oh, just kidding. It took a totally different turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing those interviews uh, that you did yes. at Prairie Fire. So that'll be, prairie fire rank so that'll be interesting that'll be awesome we got some great people we got to talk to and the broadcast will be really cool too well thanks for coming on crystal i appreciate it and if you're up for it we'll do this we'll do this again sometime i'm still here <laughs> perfect <laughs> i would love that thank you so much dave it's been a great time awesome thank you crystal until next time don't be a little bitch yeah